Welcome to the One Spatial podcast. I'm Bob Chell and I look after products and operations at One Spatial. Seb and I plan to use these podcasts just to share our thoughts and interests, which you'll be able to see have no doubt influenced what we do in work and actually how we do it. My name's Seb and I'm the CTO. And as Bob mentioned, we're going to touch on quite a few topics from our core principles around data. Um, and from, from the data right through to techniques available to help people reach their ambitions. So a bit of design, some insights into what we're currently thinking about at One Spatial, even some of the core beliefs that guide a lot of what we do. So let's try and start at the beginning, Seb. And I know I've always talked a lot at One Spatial about data quality, but if we move away from the sales pitch, what do you think it really means to us? Yeah, we've, we've worked with around data quality for, for years and years and um, you know it's a speciality and focus of ours um, we always and w when we talk about data quality because of our, our background I guess we often are talking about spatial data but it also imply, implies and, and is involved with non-spatial data quality as well and for some people it's you know it's a topic of interest for some people though it's just a thing they do on the side to make them more effective at what they do so I mean, what do we people mean by data quality? And if you look at typical definitions, it's things like fitness for purpose. That's one definition people often use. Um, and that's really key because data is about something that represents something in the real world. So it's never perfect, never exactly the same as reality. Uh, it's not meant to be, it's just an approximation. So fitness for purpose um, is, well, that's gonna depend on what you use it for because it's never exactly the same as reality. And the purpose can be hard to predict as well. So people know what they're using data for and they know where data problems cause themselves, cause problems in, in their, how they use the data and operationally what they do with it. But it's often hard to predict how you might be using data tomorrow or next week or next year. So it's trying to predict a bit, how might we be using the data? What can we guess, get the most value of in terms of what the purpose is for that data? Um, so, for example, if you're then taking the data and combining it with other things to, 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 to find out some, some new information, then how you combine it with that data, you might have information missing that, that stops you from combining that data. So trying to predict what those usages are. So that's the purpose. The fitness itself, again, that's, that can be hard to define. It could be, right, well, there's missing data or there's duplicated data or it's out of date or the field values are wrong, it's not well classified. Um, it could be not, not properly cross-referenced. So um, essentially the one spatial approach is that we are trying to define rules that say, well, how, how good should my data be? And this is, this is how I want my data to be because this is how I'm going to use it and tell me where my data is not like that. And that means by doing that, you can end up um, measuring the quality of your data, knowing how good or bad it is and determining what is the highest quality of information available for that task and is that good enough? And then it's worth clarifying as well. We're, here we're talking about structured data. Um, and the, an, an easy way of defining what we mean by structured data is answering the question, if it's spatial data, what is here? So if the answer is, well, this is a building or this is a water pipe or an ecology zone, then that's structured data. If the answer is it's red or it's a height or 
I've got a reflection from a sensor of this frequency. Well, that's not so much structured data. That's sort of more like information that has metadata, maybe a point cloud or an image. So here we're talking about, and our focus is on the data quality of that structured data that you might have generated from the unstructured data. I think that's a good, good point to make, Seb, because there's a lot of structured and unstructured data around at the moment, especially with different ways you might use that data. So good point where what we're talking about here is the fitness of structured data. It definitely helps us narrow the context of what we're talking about. Um, so you and I have both been around in the industry for a long time, as has one spatial. And there are plenty of people who've been thinking and talking about this problem, I think. Are you thinking that they're thinking the same thing about the problem in the same way that we do? Yeah, not, not always, so yes and no. Um, what, I mean, what we see definitely see is that there tend to be two different approaches or approaches coming from different directions. So you get, you know, there, there are standards for this and there are standards bodies and there are academic institutions that research stuff. So, you know, there's you know, ISO standards 19157 that talks about spatial data quality and talks about categories for completeness. You know, is there missing data or logical consistency or topological consistency or thematic accuracy? Um, and those are, and, and so you see one, one from one angle, it's a theoretical and standards based or academic approach. And then the other example is the other direction is purely pragmatic. I'm trying to do something. I'm not able to achieve it because the data's not quite right. How can I improve it? And and you sort of try and meet meet somewhere in the middle because you you don't want to be based pure, purely on theory or defining ways of working which are just not practical or too expensive for people to do. But if it's a free for all and you don't take consideration of the data quality, it's just going to stop you from achieving what you need to do. So you're trying to find a uh, a neat standard, and you, you get. The standards bodies will set up, for example, test beds where you have different groups working together trying to achieve that thing. And that helps to bring together the, the pragmatic reality with the theoretical ideal. Um, I mean, one one difference in our thinking is there are different ways of of measuring it. And in the, you know, the olden days or the, the least, less effective way, you do it manually and you'd subsample the data and you'd sort of have a look and say well I've had a look at one percent of the data and I've found six errors so we can extrapolate that out but to do it sort of reliably or not to do it not to be uh, unfeasibly expensive you're just going to need automation for these things so you can automate it it's cheaper you can do it repeatedly you can measure the quality over time by repeating that and then you can get an idea of data quality is it going up or down that makes sense and I think we've come across that a number of organizations over the years where the business case for this and this type of approach is definitely there. And as you mentioned with the different standards and the working groups that we've both also personally been involved in over the last little while, it's definitely established and it's recognized by by many people. So what makes the the one spatial approach or what we do different or more interesting than than others. Well, our well, I mean, our focus is on is on automation via rules, um, because then you can you can the people who are focused on defining what the quality is can focus on writing the rules, and then you automatically apply the rules to the data, and it tells you where your data is good or not good and you know, not good enough. But there are there are two types of rules, rules which are just read-only 
they check the data so they tell you where where things aren't good enough so it gives you a, a measure of the quality and also a, uh, it reports all the problems so that you can then go and worry about it or fix it or f flag up in your results that by the way we know this data is not perfect and here's where and then the other type of rule is something that will change the data so a rule that can that can fix it for example um, and what what that enables you to do or the, the best approach is not just to fix the data as it comes through your data process but try and trace back to say oh, actually the reason why this data is not perfect is because of x and let's try and improve that process so it starts off good quality so it could be you know using rules at the point where the data is captured or if data is ingested from an external source apply rules as the data is um, uploaded by those those supply chains that are providing the data to say oh by the way I'm not going to take the data in and three months later go and have a look um, and tell you about it because it's, it's too late I might set some rules up to say I'm only going to accept this data when it's met these rules and if it doesn't meet the rules I'm going to give you a list of the problems that you as a supplier need to fix so you can use that information not just to make the data better to make your processes better as well um, and so so yeah pushing those those fixes down the supply chain is, is going to be useful um, what but, but if you could do that, what you need to do is make sure that the rules are, are sort of transparent, they're visible and shareable. So it's not just I've got a piece of software that's going to say yes or no. Um, it's that I can define the rules and I can explain to you what the rules are and I can send you the rules and you can run them yourself and, and we can all agree on, on what the rules are checking and, and it's it's clear and, and transparent. So this, this rules library approach is key um, where the rules aren't just embedded in some software or in a user's head. You can have this 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 growing managed version library of rules that you can use to to, to manage all this data at all ver various points in the life cycle of that data. Thanks, Ed. So we've definitely got a different way to approach things, and I have seen you know more people talking about rules, catalogs, or libraries that we work on. But also, you know, we are building this that's grounded on what the industry's learned over the years with the standards and the working groups. So the technical side is great, but do you think we are reaching out to enough people to talk about data quality in, in this perspective? For example, do you end up talking about data quality and data governance in the same sentence, which might confuse people? What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, so one way of looking at it is this is a pretty boring subject and I'm too busy doing my day to day work and you know what, what some some people will just pay lip service to it lip service to it but not sure what to do with it but the you know, data government governance is often used in, in the same breath as talking about data quality and that's taking a wider approach and it's related to terms like master data management which is not just here is one thing that I'm going to do in my data that measures if it's good or bad but it's part of an overall approach um, so, for example, the, the looking at the, the life cycle of data and and things like you know security and storage and where it comes from and and what the provenance is, and that's more than just the quality of the data at snapshot in time, but how that whole data is is managed. And then, if you look sort of more broadly as well, that master data management approach, which is the data might be correct, but there's another system over there with what should have the same data, and that that can help me to 
determine even more places where the data is not right. Either one is out of date or one system is managing that bit of the data. And when that updates, I need to propagate that to all the other bits of the, the system that use similar bits of data. And I can I can match and merge the data between these different systems. Um, so that's another another, you know, another approach to it. That's more like data stewardship. And so the the umbrella term data governance, that's mostly about taking all these things together and applying a strategy that has some benefit but this is all pointless without some benefit overall so it could be that we're producing a better output if we're a data pr provider but often people who manage data aren't doing it because they sell data or, or give data to other people they use it as a way of performing their business so you know they might be helping to deliver water to customers or, or make trains run smoothly and therefore the data is is just a side effect to that and so the data governance the way that you get the benefits from that is being able to deliver water more cheaply and efficiently or safer and, and more regular trains for example um, so so we have customers that we we typically work with but we need to put a lot of effort into getting the message out there to different types of people to realize actually your your problem is a data quality problem or at least we can make a problem easier or make the problem go away by focusing on the data quality and and there, there are very various aspects to that and you know we'll talk about some of those in in future podcasts that makes sense so it's a it is a big topic for us to, to get right and cover um and i'm definitely sure we'll be covering those in future podcasts anything you want we could tease people with right now okay so if we look at um i mean it, if you consider a project then even a data quality project that's part of an overall data quality program you want to have a, a sort of continuous improvement approach so at the beginning what you want to do is find out what data you've got write some rules to measure the current state of the data and use that as a baseline and then you can use that to determine how far away are you from 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 good enough and it might be fine great my data is good enough for my purposes but if i then find a, a new a new thing i want to do with my data i can quickly look at that baseline and, and see if it, if it if it's good enough but if it's not we can work out well how can we iterate to make incremental improvements to get closer to uh, a good enough um, and it, but it's only once you've measured that and, and know what those things are can you have an idea about how far you need to go and how good enough your data is and i mean we've got some of this we've written down in a we've got a data quality excellence principles in our little book of spatial data quality which you can download from the website i think that'd be a cool one to talk through as well seb on another another podcast so that's cool though it's given us a lot of good things to to think about and like you said at the end i think it's always we've always said it's a good idea to try and chunk up what you're doing so chunk up the way you solve the problems that you've you've got and to kind of summarize really quality what we're saying about that is it is to do with fitness for purpose but make sure as you said earlier you keep an eye on the overall data governance program that you're trying to fit into so trying to work out how in the future you can be smarter and, and innovate to, to make those improvements so from the one spatial side We've definitely got a, an automate first approach. And it's kind of given that the manual checks are expensive and subjective, especially for structured data. So you should be able to automate some of what you need to do and evolve to you know, what you see as the future needs for the business. And then to fit in with what you're also saying around 
the industry standards that are already out there and make sure that everyone's um, got something that we're doing, but it's future proof. You know, we're doing it for the right reasons. We're doing it based on lessons we've already learned. We're keeping an eye on the stewardship aspect to what we're doing as well. So everything's documented and people can find all the right information. We talked about libraries of rules or catalogues. So even that part is engaging the right people as well as the right processes. So we're we're not hiding anything away. Everything's available and can be accessed, which is just the way yeah. that a lot of good companies work these days. This is what we do. Um, and then we can use the data and other data sets to find out new things, discover new things, infer data that might be missing and add even more value and improvements to to how we work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much you know what we try and do in all these projects. Um, so the, the book I mentioned before, the the little book of spatial data quality, you can you know it's worth checking that out. That's on the website. The other thing that's worth doing um, is you know just get in touch with us if you have certain topics you want to you want us to talk about. So we you know we're going to be doing podcasts, blogs, etc. about various topics. So we could be talking about machine learning and spatial data, or master data management, or our engineering approach for rapid prototyping, you know, from POC to, to production. So any specific topics, then, you know, anyone who's listening, then just please get in touch via the website or LinkedIn um, and we can we can factor those into to future podcasts. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. Cheers, Seb. We'll have another podcast soon.